Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to another PC Boys podcast. This is your boy, Logan, and today, we've got a lot to cover. So, today there is going to be a double upload, yes, a double upload of podcasts today. There is going to be this double feature review, which includes the Batman and Stranger Things uh, Season 4 Volume 1, and then the second podcast will be about the Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 gameplay trailer, well, it's not really gameplay, but, you know, the trailer, and then, of course, the trailer for the all-new Predator movie called Prey coming to Hulu in the next podcast, so that way you guys just have an idea of what today's layout is going to be like, but, uh, um, just before we get started here with the review of the Batman first, I want to say that uh, we now have an Instagram page. So if you go to Instagram and you uh, type in PC Boys Podcast, all lowercase, straight across, you will find our Instagram page. Go give it a follow. I will be um, posting on there whenever new episodes are made. So kind of like a notification um, sort of thing. Um, so that way, of course, you can see and know there's a new episode and then come watch. I also have uh, two links on that Instagram page. One to our Discord where I talk about or, or post uh, podcast updates, Marvel news, um, and or um, gaming news and whatnot. However, I will say, um, normally when I post stuff, it's based upon whatever I have interest in and not things in general. So if you're wondering why maybe there isn't a bunch of stuff on there, that's why it's because I'm very selective on what I talk about. It's more so what I dedicate my channel talking to. Um, and you know, we do talk about video games and movies in general, but there is specific franchises and stuff, obviously, that I care about more than others, and that's normally what tends to be on there, but either way, you can go to the Discord through that link, and also to, uh, my Anchor page to listen to the podcast as well. Um, so, without further ado, let's get into this review. So, The Batman. This is coming from a Marvel fan's perspective, okay? I'm not a DC fan. I'm a Marvel fan, comic book and movies, and I'm going into The Batman as a Marvel fan and giving it my critique from a Marvel fan's lens. The Batman is an amazing movie, okay? I would put this up there with the likes of Captain America the Winter Soldier, which is my favorite MCU movie. That should tell you how good this movie is. So the Batman is a very long movie, but the way that they go about this film is there's a lot of investigation aspects to it, okay? And that is obviously a big part to Batman himself, being an investigator, they do a very good job at showing that here. He does a lot of investigating, okay? So not only is he doing Batman stuff, but he's, you know, doing his investigation part. Um, the action, fucking brutal, giving me Daredevil flashbacks, which is great because I love Daredevil. So that is good. If you can make me think in your movie of your combat or your action being like my favorite um, Netflix show, or my favorite Netflix character, and the action from that, then you're doing something very, very right, so the action is very brutal, which I really liked, and I really enjoyed, 
Um, and then on top of all that, just the gadgets, the story of this movie was done in such an interesting way because out, so spoilers, obviously throughout this movie, you have the Batman trying to figure out who the Riddler is and what his plan is and come to find out Batman doesn't even know what the Riddler's plan is and comes to find out at the last moment. Um, and this version of Batman is very, I guess you can say very quiet, more so than other Batmans, very dark, um, but it works very, very well, and then, of course, the dynamic with Catwoman and him, you know, it, it works in some ways, and in other ways, it doesn't, like, the love interest kind of way, it doesn't work, but you do see where Batman uses her for his own gains as Batman, which is something Batman very much does in the comics, he will use women to, further his goals as Batman or as Bruce Wayne so that they did do in here which was very truthful to the character and that was very good to see um but I do think the romance aspect of this movie was not uh not really there not really needed and you had a commonality with the Batman and with Catwoman as well because she is looking for her friend and uh, later on for the person that killed her friend um and of course it runs right in line with the batman's investigation but they're both coming at it from different lenses where she just wants to get revenge um and figure out who did it and the batman is trying to figure out who the riddler is and what the riddler end game what's his end game and that's the big thing about it you know and it puts those two on a collision course because their motivations are leading them to the same place, but for different reasons, which is very nice to see how they did that. Because you know sometimes how in movies you'll have like a side character that kind of artificially is inserted into the story and it doesn't feel like a natural buildup as to why they're there. In this movie, it was very fluid. It felt organic. It didn't feel like it was just forced into the script. Um, for where Catwoman is, and Catwoman looked like Catwoman, I do think that her mask was a little bit funny looking, um, I think they could have done without that mask, but outside of that, Catwoman looked like Catwoman, um, and I know a lot of people prior to this movie coming out was very worried about Catwoman not being feminine Catwoman, because we, we do live in a different day and age where female characters do not seem to be able to be feminine in modern-day movies, and they're portrayed as more, like, masculine, and they kept Catwoman feminine, and I'm gonna give them a lot of credit for that, because you will get a lot of flack from people on Twitter, or the people that just, you know, don't like women being feminine, um, in pop culture or movies or whatever in general, um, so I do give them, uh, you know, props for keeping Catwoman feminine like she is in the comics. You know, they don't over-sexualize her, but you can tell that she's still feminine. So, it, it does a good balance, right? You can do both, okay? Um, and Batman, in this movie, when it comes to Bruce Wayne, the Bruce Wayne side of things, this is where I found things to be very interesting. There wasn't a lot of Bruce Wayne in this movie. The only real Bruce Wayne moment that we get is when there's the funeral scene for, I believe, the governor or, or the governor that's running for re-election or something like that, and they're at his 
uh, funeral. I think that's the only time when we actually see Bruce Wayne as Bruce Wayne. And the rest of the movie, you just see Bruce Wayne as Batman. And that's really interesting that you have a Batman movie where you see Batman on screen majority of the time. And that, and that's very different from Marvel movies because most Marvel movies, you don't even see the character doing their superheroing most of the time. You know? So, it's really interesting to see the dynamic that they really focus on the Batman side of it. But then again, the name of the movie is The Batman. So, it's, it's very telling that they focus on the Batman side a lot more than the Bruce Wayne side. But I do like how they did the investigative part of it because the thing with this Batman movie is it is a PG-13 movie. But I will tell you, it is a brutal movie in, in a lot of ways. It has a lot of fucked up things in this uh, movie. And mainly on the Riddler's end. But at the end of the day... They did this movie so well, it kept you into the movie at all points. There wasn't any point where I wasn't in the movie. I was constantly in it. Like, for instance, Spider-Man No Way Home. A big criticism I had about that movie is the beginning portion. Most people criticize the beginning portion of the movie. Because it just wasn't needed. It didn't feel like it added anything to the movie. And especially once you get into the second and third act, the beginning of the movie is just kind of filler content, you know? It's not really... It doesn't need to be there. But with the Batman, everything in this movie needed to be there. From the flashback stuff, to the investigation, to the one real scene with Bruce Wayne, uh, Catwoman and all of her involvement... They did a great job with all the characters in this movie, especially with the Penguin. The Penguin was great in this fucking movie, you know? So, there's a lot of things that they did well with this film. A lot of things. I wasn't expecting a hell of a lot out of the Batman. Because I'm not a DC fan, and DC has had a track record for a while of having bad films. Now, they're starting to do really good, right? Shazam, I thought was a very enjoyable movie. The Batman was really good. Aquaman was really good. And the first Wonder Woman was really good. So now DC is starting to pick up steam and find their groove at making some good films. And I'm happy for the DC fan base because it's good to have competition, right? If the DC fans get good movies that they can enjoy, and the Marvel fans can too, it's going to make Disney work harder to make better content, where if, you know, if DC were to keep making shitty movies that flopped, right, and Warner Brothers, it would make Disney and Marvel get sloppier. Now, if you take a look at Marvel right now, Marvel is throwing sloppy uh, content out at us all the time. It's not good, right? Most of the Marvel uh, Disney Plus shows to this point are not good, okay? Outside of Moon Knight and Loki, I don't really like anything. Hawkeye was good, okay? Hawkeye was good, but still, majority of the shows are not what I want them to be. And even the shows that I enjoyed have a problem with their pacing and have a problem with closing out in their finale all the storylines and everything that they had set up in the show. And they didn't do that very well in a lot of the shows. So, Marvel on the TV side of things has a lot to figure out. 
then you go on over to the movie side of things, and they've had, I would say, more success with there. You have Spider-Man No Way Home. You have Shang-Chi, which did very well. Eternals, not so good. Black Widow, a very disappointing film. And then, of course, you know, we got Thor coming out this year. Um, and I believe Black Panther after that. So, you know, there is things here to be excited about, especially the new Thor after the, you know, most recent trailer. It, it looks good. But we'll have to see when we watch the film in its entirety. Even the new Doctor Strange was just meh because it was overhyped with the cameos and everything. The new Doctor Strange was nothing special. It was an okay Marvel movie at best. Um, and that's just my, what my dad told me. That's not even from me watching it, because I haven't watched it. I haven't watched Morbius yet either. But the Batman is a very solid movie, okay? And I think that DC, if they stick to their guns and keep making movies like the Batman, like the first Wonder Woman, they're going to do immensely great things. I mean, the other day I saw the trailer for Black Adam. That even looked very fun, you know? So, the fact that DC is starting to get on a roll with their content is a good sign for DC fans. And for Marvel fans that are worried about Marvel going down, you know, and creating shitty content, it, it as long as DC keeps making better content, it will force Disney and Marvel to make better content. So, you know, competition's good. Everybody's happy. When both studios are competing to make the best content possible for their viewers and for their fan bases, that's when everybody wins, right? And as of right now, Marvel is starting to take a, a, a big dip in quality, and DC's going upward in quality, and this is coming from a Marvel fan. Like I said, this is from a Marvel fan's perspective. I have watched way more Marvel movies than DC movies by a long shot, and I'm not even a DC comic fan. I haven't read DC comics at all. I've only read Marvel. So, you know, kudos and props to DC for doing a good job with this movie. I mean, absolutely phenomenal. So... My review of the Batman, if I had to give it a score, I would give this movie a 9 out of 10. It is a phenomenal movie. Now, obviously, if you're someone that just wants to watch a shit ton of action the entire time, this movie may not be for you. There is a really badass car chase sequence in this movie with the Batmobile, and it's fucking awesome, and I love it. There's a lot of good uh, hand-to-hand action, um, but there's a lot more investigation than there is, I would say, action. Because majority of the movie is figuring out who uh, the Riddler is. I mean, obviously, if you read the comics, you know the identity and stuff of the Riddler. But for the movie's sake, right? And it feels like there's, you know, kind of a race against time sort of ordeal, right? And the look of Gotham City looks amazing. Like, I'm, I'm looking at the Gotham City in this. And I have played the Batman Arkham games. And looking at the city of Gotham, I'm like, wow, I'm getting like some, you know... Um, Batman Arkham Knight kind of vibes when I'm looking at the city. So, I mean, they did a really good job. A really good job with this movie. The costume department, the CG department, like, everybody did an amazing job with this movie. It was absolutely phenomenal. Um, but yeah, so that's my review of the Batman. That is my thoughts on the Batman. Um, and this is coming from a Marvel fan's perspective, you know? So, I mean, if you're a DC person and you may, and you know, you're like, you don't know what you're talking about or you don't know Batman well or anything, that's why. It's because I'm not a DC fan. But for somebody that 
has been watching Marvel movies and then to watch this, I would rate this up there as one of my favorite superhero movies because it is that good. And yeah, it's a DC property, but the movie is very, very good. And that is why I would rate this up there with Daredevil. I would rate this up there with Captain America, the Winter Soldier. I would rate this up there with Avengers Infinity War because it's a good movie. It's a very well done film. And, you know, for those of you that may think that I'm shilling for this movie or whatever, I don't know what to tell you outside of watch the movie for yourself and you'd understand why I'm praising it so high. Um, now, to Batman fans out there, I don't know if this is considered the best Batman movie or if the Nolan trilogy is still reigning supreme. I'm not sure. Um, but I gotta say that this movie has to have made a lot of Batman fans happy. I don't know how this movie would have disappointed Batman fans. I don't know how it could. The suit looks great. I mean, maybe the Batmobile, you know, people would complain about. Um, but outside of that, I think everything in this movie was done pretty well. But thank you very much for listening uh, to this segment of the podcast and hope you all enjoyed. I'm going to be moving on to my Stranger Things uh, Season 4 Volume 1 review and giving my thoughts on that. And that one's going to be a roller coaster. So if you are a Stranger Things fan, stick around. Um, But if you are leaving the podcast at this moment in time, thank you very much for listening. Hope you all enjoyed and I'll catch you all in the next one. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to the second part of this PC Boys podcast. Um, and we are, of course, doing the Stranger Things Season 4 Volume 1 review. So, this season is an amazing season, by a long shot, but it gives you a lot of whiplash. What I mean by that is basically, there's three different storylines going on in this show for the season, and we're getting ripped from all of them. And I know the Stranger Things, you know, they always have multiple, they always have three storylines going on, right? You always have Hopper and Joyce and what they're doing. And then you have Nancy, um, Jonathan, um, you know, and then of course, you know, you introduce, you know, the kids side of things and, and what they're doing with Steve and whatnot. So there's always been multiple different things going on in Stranger Things. The reason it just feels like whiplash in this season is because they're all over the world. You got the Hawkins crew, you've got what's going on in um, California, and then what's going on in Soviet Russia. So there's so much going on in this show. So it feels like whiplash when you're just things are getting good in one area, and then they rip you from it and throw you in another area. And then not to mention, they throw in a fourth dynamic in this season when Eleven... Spoiler alert, gets taken to the Nina Project with Dr. Brenner, who some the fuck how lived through the Demogorgon attack in Hawkins from season one. That shocked me. Um, but no, this season uh, is very awesome. And we got to talk about Vecna, okay? Because Vecna is literally discount Freddy Krueger. They even mentioned that in the show. And then we get to see Robert England himself in the show for a little bit of a cameo playing as Victor Creel as an old man in one of the psychiatric wards. So it was really fucking cool to see that. And the the fact that you can actually look at um, Vecna and be like, okay, he's a lot like Freddy Krueger. He even has like the one hand with like the sharp fingernails and stuff, kind of like how Freddy Krueger has his claw hand. Um, and I remember the first kill of this series. It was the scariest thing I've ever seen because you didn't expect it. It was so out of 
of left field, the fucking, um, I forgot what her name was, I think it was Chrissy, she gets fucking lifted, levitating in the sky, her fucking bones start snapping, and she gets distorted, her eyes get fucking, like, blown up in her face or whatever, and then she gets dropped, and it was like, what the fuck, like, I remember that moment, and it was crazy, they really make Vecna a presence, a big, um, a big threat this season, and later on in the season, it's even revealed, spoiler alert, that Vecna is a five-star general to the Mind Flayer, which if you don't know what the Mind Flayer is, that's the monster that was in season two that was trying to take over Will. So, yeah, and we also know that Vecna's opening up multiple portals throughout the world, and Hawkins, um... We get to see the demo bats. We get to see more of the upside down. The most that we've seen of the, of the upside down this season. And the Demogorgon makes a return um, this season uh, during the Soviet-Russia fight scene after um, Hopper and his uh, Soviet friend end up having to fight it, I guess, for entertainment. Um, to entertain the creature because that's what the Soviets are trying to do with it. So, yeah, there, there's a lot going on in this season. So you have the Hawkins crew, which are trying to fig- figure out who Vecna is and Victor Creel and how all of it correlates to with what's going on in Hawkins. And then in California, you know, you have um, Will, his brother Jonathan and Mike and Mike goes over to see Elle on spring break. Come to find out that, um, well, you know, the United States military is looking for L, so she ends up, you know, going with, um, what is it, Dr. Owens, I believe is his name, and then goes to the Nina Project somewhere out in the middle of the desert in Nevada, where they're trying to get Eleven's powers back. So there's that subplot, and then this leaves us with Mike trying to find Eleven, so they end up going uh, to Salt Lake City to see Dustin's girlfriend to try to figure out where Eleven is. And then, of course, in Russia, we have Joyce trying to break Hopper free of the Soviet prison. So some are very straightforward. Well, I would say all of the plots are very straightforward. Um, But the thing is, is Vecna, come to find out, is number one. Like how Eleven is number 11... Vecna is number one, and Vecna is the original um, of these kids that have uh, telekinetic powers, and in the last episode of Volume 1, you really get to see what Eleven went through in the Hawkins lab prior to us meeting her in the first season, and she ends up beating one and sending him to the Upside Down by using very uh, hurtful memories from her past to make her stronger, And in the Upside Down, he gets burned by the lightning, which disfigures him. Kind of reminding me a lot of, like, a Darth Vader kind of moment. And that is where he remains to grow stronger. And then he now feeds on people's souls from the real world. Because Vecna has this belief that humans are a pest that needs to be eradicated. And he thinks of himself like a Black Widow spider, which he had a big fascination with when he found him in his house when he was younger. So, and then come to find out he's also Victor Creel's son, and that he was the one causing all the problems in the house, and that killed his mom and sister. Tried to kill his dad, but because he didn't know his limits, he almost killed himself. So there was a lot. There was a lot 
um, with Stranger Things Season 4. A lot of good things. A lot of interesting things. And Volume 2, a.k.a. the last two episodes, will be released this July. On the 1st of July. So we will have the finale and be able to review that. So... That's basically a summed-up summary of what happens in this season, right? Um, the kids in Hawkins find out uh, who Vecna is. Eleven gets her powers back. Um, uh, Mike and Will and them are still trying to find Eleven. The United States government is looking for Eleven, believing that she has gone rogue. Um, and not knowing about the Upside Down as a threat, um, Joyce and I forgot who, what his name was, the conspiracy guy, I like to call him that, the conspiracy guy with the glasses, he, uh, Hopper and Joyce are still in the Soviet prison, so we don't know exactly if they're going to escape or how that's going to work or what they're going to do next, uh, but what we do know is that, um, Eleven has her powers back, so I'm very curious to see if, you know, how that goes, and what's going to happen with, like, the United States military plot, what's going to happen with the Hawkins plot. Right now, the least interesting out of all the plots is Mike's, and Mike, Will, and Jonathan, who have the smallest plot in the series and the least amount of screen time in this season. And their plot, because they're looking for Eleven, keeps them away from a lot of the action outside of that one scene where the military raids Joyce's house in California and the soldiers start shooting the place up. Outside of that, though, there's not a lot going on on that side of things. So, um, that would definitely be the weakest storyline, in my opinion. I would say the strongest one would be between Eleven getting her powers back and what's going on in Hawkins. I mean, the Hawkins kids, by a long shot, have one of the most interesting storylines because they're at the front lines of everything, right? Where the portals are, where the killings are, where Vecna is, the upside down. They're in the shit. Now, Hopper's story is interesting, but the problem is it only started getting interesting in the last few episodes of this volume one, and that's why Hopper's series, I cannot rate, or his story arc is not higher at the moment than Eleven's, because Eleven's story arc really tells us who one is, who Vecna is, um, but the kids in Hawkins are the ones that start to raise the questions for us, to start to try to answer, so, in my opinion, that's how I rate it. And then, obviously, you have what's going on with Mike and them, which is the least interesting, and I could give little shits about. So, with that being said, I would have to rate Stranger Things Season 4, Volume 1, with an 8 out of 10. It's very good. Um, I definitely think that the finale can make this season one of the best. I think that Season 1 was a good season. It was a solid season. But it was also the introduction to these characters and the world that it's in. Season 2, in my opinion, was the weakest season of Stranger Things by far. Season 3 was a big improvement from that uh, second season, and then season four is when the stakes are starting to really amp up, and the gore and everything is starting to really ramp up, um, so yeah, this season's very solid, it's very good, would I say it's the best season, I still think Stranger Things season three right now is the best season, but obviously, closing out with the last two episodes could very much 
put Stranger Things 3 behind this season. It all depends on how they execute everything. Um, but they're building up to a final confrontation between Vecna and Eleven, and I'm very interested to see how that goes. So very excited for that. But, ladies and gentlemen, that is all I have for you for this podcast, which is basically two reviews of two different things. Um, but... The next podcast that I will be uploading is going to be a lot shorter. I'm going to kind of just talk about the Modern Warfare 2 trailer. I'm going to talk about the uh, Prey trailer for the Predator 5 movie that's coming to Hulu Plus and just, you know, kind of give some brief summaries on what I thought about it. Um, And that's going to be the next podcast. But thank you very much for listening. I hope you all enjoyed, and I'll catch you all in the next one.